So welcome in to the Wednesday Bible study here from the Broadcast Plaza and Teleport. We're about to start a new series. So anytime we start a new series, uh, I want to say, you know, it's uh, probably a welcome for some of you that may be joining us for the first time, especially because of my home church just finished up uh, the uh, five years of the men's discipleship strategy that is now available to the whole country at themanchurch.com. So we just had one of our man church services uh, this past Sunday and coming out of those services, uh, there's different opportunities for you to plug in uh, to small group Bible studies. So some of you may have selected to be with us today for the very first time. We're glad you're here. We'll keep you posted uh, when we decide to uh, allow uh, you to come back into the room. Uh, we're kind of watching that uh, and watching how things go. And if COVID disappears, like we all think it might on November 4th, uh, then that may, uh, that may change uh, a lot of how we do things. But we'll keep you posted. This is always available to you every week. Uh, some of you are watching it live right now, or whether you're listening to an archive, you can watch it live or watch it archived, or you can listen to the archive uh, by going to the Rick and Bubba podcast channel. Uh, the YouTube channel is the Rick and Bubba YouTube channel. If you ever need to go back to past studies or maybe you miss a week, you also can find audio-only archives at BurgessMinistries.com. do want to tell the folks in Troy, Alabama, if you're watching this, uh, coming up on Monday, November the 2nd, uh, we're, we're going to be kicking off the Men's Discipleship Strategy at First Baptist Church, Troy. Uh, this will be their first guest gathering of men, then we'll go into the uh, Pursuit 40-week curriculum. Uh, they have opened up 50 additional seats to that. Uh, it was sold out, uh, so uh, they are available if you want to go grab those. Find details at rickandbubba.com under events. And then we'll go on to Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, they'll start the men's discipleship strategy from themanchurch.com. We'll kick off with that first gathering. Their man church will be November the 8th, Columbus, Mississippi at First Baptist Church, Columbus. All those details can be found at rickandbubba.com under upcoming events. You can also look at the 2021 dates coming up by going to the same location. So we're going to start a, a new study today uh, in the book of 2 Peter. We just finished 1 Peter. Now we're going to jump into 2 Peter, and this is our first session if you're joining us today. So let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord, we are just um, uh, living in perilous times uh, and all this uncertainty, uh, but you make it very clear that we are not called to be anxious about anything. Uh, we are not called to a spirit of fear, uh, and we are called to be people who live uh, at peace because of who you are, not because of who we are or what the circumstances may or may not be. Uh, that knowing that you are on your throne and that everything is not out of control, it's under your control, but there are things that we need to do. There, there's actions that we need to take uh, that you have uh, instructed us to do, and some of those we'll unpack today, and I pray that we take those and we apply them uh, to our each individual life. And Lord, I pray today that, th that maybe there's somebody who draw to you in a way that maybe uh, they've never gotten it. So uh, may you be glorified, may I be crucified, uh, and may I be, uh, you know, nothing. And you, of course, are presented as everything. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to um, unpack this. So let's, let's talk about what Peter's doing here in this second letter. You're going to find out pretty quick that Peter knows that his life is coming to a close. 
Uh, he, he was told by Jesus that he would die a martyr's death. Uh, he knows, and he'll tell you even before we get through the study, that it's being revealed to him that that time is coming. We know that Peter is martyred uh, and was martyred by Nero. Uh, and and these, the first letter that, that Peter wrote was this concern about the suffering of the church. And, and we went through all that. Uh, the Christians were, um, which we should say, the disciples of Jesus, who, who people called Christians, they were being persecuted uh, in, in a very intense way. Nero was trying to wipe out uh, the church. And so... Uh, Peter was concerned about the suffering of the church. Satan was attacking from the outside. He was, he was going after Satan the lion, you remember, that he referred to uh, in chapter 5. But now Peter, in, in this, this, this second uh, letter, the second letter of Peter, I think may apply more to the current state of the church than even the first letter. I mean, and I'm speaking to the Western church, not the church around the world. Uh, the church around the world has is continuing to be uh, persecuted, uh, and people are being killed and martyred. But here in America, uh, in the Western church, in the European church, it's a little bit different. Uh, there, there's, you, you see a little bit of persecution coming, but what you probably see more of is what Peter is now concerned about in the second letter, letter and not that, that's not the attack from outside the church, but now it's going to be the attacks from within the church within the church. Uh, the first was about the church's survival uh, by fiery torment, but now the church must face false teachings. And buddy, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the modern church and the Western church. There's a lot of bad theology out there. And boy, now more than ever, do you need to know the Word of God. Now more than ever, do you need to be able to spot a false teacher, a false prophet, and Peter was gravely concerned about this. So he's going to tell us some things today uh, that will enable us uh, to have that kind of knowledge and to be able to spot false teaching and those attacks from within, side, uh, from within the church. Now, I, I do marketing for a living. Uh, there's a lot of marketing that goes on, and I sell a lot of products. And, and, and I will tell you this. We're going to get to a line uh, today in our study in chapter 1 of Second Peter. If I were to, to come into your office and I'm trying to pitch you, and my final line was this, if you practice these qualities and you use my product, you will never fail. Have I got you? You'll never fail. Wait, wait a minute. So... If I do what you just said, I will never fail. That is correct. Have I, are you in? I mean, at that point, you say, well, well tell me. Well, we're going to be told that today by Peter. Uh, and so let's start off the, the first part about who he's writing to. You see, he refers to him as his full name uh, in this letter, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, and then he goes on, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he, he's, he's talking to fellow disciples of Christ, uh, and he's talking about uh, that, uh, that God and, and his righteousness ha has been given to all of those. His divine power uh, has given us the power to be uh, people that we could never be. Uh, and, and, he, and he's talking about this uh, when we get started. So we know who he's speaking to, and he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Don't forget the part about knowledge. We're going to get into that today. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God uh, and of Jesus our Lord. 
So now he goes on to saying, and this is one of these things that you remember when we did the unsaved Christian, uh, when we did uh, uh, some, and, and we kept starting every one of those Bible studies going to 2 Corinthians and hearing Paul saying, assess yourself. Uh, let, let, let's see if you pass the test of say, you say you belong to Jesus. So why don't we now look at your life and let's look at scripture and let's assess whether that's really true or not. Uh, and hopefully you pass the test that we can see the evidence of Jesus Christ. If you know my testimony, that's how I was redeemed as a grown man at 31 who had claimed to be a Christian since he was a child, uh, but was living a life as an adult that didn't look anything like Jesus. It didn't look redeemed because it wasn't. And I had a pastor who took this, uh, th this, this view of Scripture and says, let's assess your life today and, and let's look at how you live your life. Now, can you honestly tell me, after we've gone through your life, compared to what it looks like to be redeemed, how can you say you're redeemed? So we're going to kind of take that attitude a little bit as, as we jump into uh, verse 3, because first of all, Peter's going to be talking about what we're supposed to have access to. And he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to his own glory and excellence. It's his divine power that gives us power to be people we could never be. Everything depends on him. His glory is granted to us in Christ. Don't lose in Christ. If you were at Manchurch Sunday night, you know we talked about this a lot. So we, we, in, our, in our study of the Gospel of John, which if you missed that, you can get that at BurgessMinistries.com or here on this YouTube channel if you're watching. Uh, just go back to the, the other studies. You'll see our 33-week study of the Gospel of John. And if you remember John 15, you, you, see, you see Jesus saying, if you abide in me, if you abide in me and you abide in my words, then I will produce fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you see the Apostle Paul, he writes over and over again in his letters, he keeps using this term, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So if you've been redeemed by Jesus, and what Peter is saying right now, that means that Jesus has now ushered you and ushered me into the glory of God, and he's now given us access to be made fully righteous. He's given us access to God's divine power. In Christ. So really, if you want to say, so what's your name now? I would say Rick in Christ. That, that's what makes me a new creation. I didn't make myself a new creation. Not my new code of conduct or my new self-control. Jesus really is that powerful. I abide in Him. I'm devoted to Him. I belong to Him. I pursue Him. I seek Him. And so I've been giving access from, uh, from Jesus to the defined power of God. And guess what? That changed me. So Peter starts out by saying, remember who we are. Remember what has happened. So then he goes to verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So... God's promises are backed up by His integrity. God's promises also promises the power to be sanctified. God promises that we will escape from the sin and its corruption. We don't have any excuses. So, Rick, what delivers you from the sin and corruption of the world? God does. 
So, so these things that, that you used to do, you don't do anymore. How did you stop doing them? By, by, by a clinging and attaching myself to the true vine, to Jesus. Jesus took all that away. I, I, I can't explain to you a moment when all of a sudden, uh, you know, and I think that's where people mess up. I get emails about this all the time. And, and, and people are saying, well, what, what do I need to do? What, and that, that, especially with men, that's what we do. We're trying to say, give, give me the formula. I mean, what, what do I got to do to fix it? What are the things I need to do? Well, we know that James said, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you, come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Action, action, action. We know that we're saved by grace through faith, but this faith is a faith of action. What's the action? To go after Jesus. I mean, to, I don't know why, uh, when it happened, that I, I, I had no desire to read the Bible. Now, honestly, it's all I really want to talk about. I, don't, I can't tell you how that happened. Other than I began to pray, I began to seek, uh, when, when called to, I begin to fast. These, these, uh, these disciplines of the Spirit, these things aren't to earn my salvation. They're part of my salvation. I, I was made fully righteous by Jesus, not by my works, not by my uh, devotion uh, to, to some, some new code of conduct. But I was, I was made fully righteous because of my devotion to Jesus. And, and, I, and I cling to Jesus. I, 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 I abide in Jesus. And since I started doing that, all of a sudden... I don't desire the things I once desired. See, we think Jesus is in the business of giving us our desires. That's that health, wealth, and prosperity garbage that is heresy, blasphemy. No, what really happens is God changes our desires. See, this is the, this is the biggest mistake that most of us make. We think that discipleship is us getting Jesus to conform and be more like us to be something that, that's more comfortable to us. No, discipleship is we're being conformed to be more like Jesus, and then Jesus doesn't make God something we're more comfortable with. Jesus makes us something that a holy God is more comfortable with. See, we got it backward. We, we think conforming to Jesus, and we're going to conform to Jesus and make him more like us. That's why we paint all this big man upstairs garbage, and Jesus sometimes is portrayed as this hippie. Uh, you know, this, this, this putting together a spiritual Woodstock. No, he, he's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords and he is going to judge heaven and earth. And, 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 he, and, and like we talk about, he, he, he was the mouthpiece of God. The prophets were the mouthpiece of God in the Old Testament. We studied this in, in John. He became the mouthpiece for God uh, during his, his, his time and his ministry on earth. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now the voice of God to us is the Holy Spirit. Lo, I'll be with you to the age of the earth. So when you look at the Great Commission, then you have to think to yourself, well, he keeps talking about us, that, that, that God's promises are backed up by who he is. He, he provides the power for us to be sanctified. His seed really does change us. He provides the escape from sin and its corruption. So if I keep going back to sin, remember this when we studied this, and this was good in one of our past studies. If I go back to sin now, if I'm truly redeemed, I go back willingly, not because I don't have any control anymore. Because, see, back when I didn't have any control, that's when my spirit was dead. So my flesh ran everything because the spirit was dead because of the, of the original sin. But when Jesus redeemed me, 1 John tells me that God's seed now comes into my spirit, and now that dead spirit comes alive, and now the battle between the flesh and the spirit is actually a battle. Before it wasn't. The flesh won everything. 
it had no opposition. So now as I feed the spirit, now as I grow in Christ, now as I attach myself to the true vine, I now have access, like Peter says, to the divine power of God and the divine power of God delivers me from the, the slavery of sin. So if I go back to sin now, I go back as a free man. I choose it. So that leads us to the, it's almost like Peter says, look, I, I want to I just set you up on what we have access to, and then I'm going to tell you things you need to do to continue to access it. So then we get to verse 5. For this very reason, and these are going to be unpopular statements in the modern church today, what I call the era of grace abuse, because you're going to hear some words here that, that, that are action words. I guess, we, I guess we do take action. Listen to this. For this very reason, make every effort. What? Make every effort. Remember we talked about before. We are saved by grace. If, don't hear me saying anything else because that would be blasphemy. We are saved by grace. I can't do anything about saving myself. By faith. And this is where we mess up. This is that effort that he's talking about. This is a faith of action. You heard, you've heard me talk about this a lot. The Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11. You don't find anybody in the Hall of Fame of Faith that just believed that God had told them to do something. That's all they did. They just believed it. No, they did it. Remember what I said? Abraham is not in the Hall of Fame of Faith because he believed God said to go. He's in the Hall of Fame of Faith, and a saving faith was when he went. He didn't just believe that God said, I want you to take your only son and take it up to the mountain. I want you to kill him and sacrifice him to me. And, and Abraham didn't make the Hall of Fame by saying, oh, I believe you probably mean that. No, he, he, he got a, the saving face when he started taking his son up the mountain and was prepared to kill him, even saying, well, even if he wants me to kill him, I know he can raise him from the dead. Maybe that's what he's going to do. Because what did he remember in the back of his mind? He promised me that there was going to be a seed that came from this son, so God's not going to go back on that. I don't know what he's doing, but I guess this is the way he's going to do it. See, that's the saving faith. He actually did it. Did Noah make the Hall of Fame because he believed it was going to rain? He believed that God said make some giant something he didn't know what it was? No. When he, when he had a saving faith is when he spent over 100 years building it. So that's, that's what Peter is talking about when he says you need to take some action. So make every effort to supplement your faith. And now he starts running a list. And this is big. So now Peter says... Let me tell you, now remember, or don't ever forget the theme of 2 Peter. Peter is now, he, he's left the, the, the physical persecution outside the church. That's, that's, that's 1 Peter. Now he's very concerned about apostasy. He's very concerned about heresy. He's concerned that we're going to be duped by bad theology. Now Satan's attack's going to rise up from inside the church. The great Adrian Rogers, who I have tremendous respect for, once said, when you're looking for Satan, never fail to check the pulpit. So this is why he says, you, you know, and, and I never, I don't understand this. I know a lot of women are now watching the Wednesday Bible study, and that's fine because we're, we're doing a expository teachings. So that's fine. However, I want to talk to the men for just a minute. I, for the life of me, cannot understand how God made a man, and I was this way, so this is on me. I don't understand me how we, we, we seem to care so little about being excellent in the faith. We demand excellency from everything except our faith. It's like a man says, I'm willing to work on anything except my faith. I am okay with being mediocre in my faith. Well, I got news for you. Peter says that's not going to do because you're going to be destroyed. 
you ain't going to make it. You, you will not endure what's coming. I love these people right now that are all over social media inside the church, and they're trying to make some case that Marxism is somehow a lot more like Jesus than, than a constitutional republic in the free market. That, that, that if Jesus was here today, he'd be a Democrat. Can I give you a heads up? Jesus wouldn't be a Democrat or a Republican. Okay, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. I love the fact that y'all actually think he would pick a part. He wouldn't be, but let me tell you what this. Some of you that think Marxism and socialism is somehow, uh, you're tying that to teachings of the New Testament. Here's what's sad about all of you. When you, if you get what you want, and we start moving in America to a more Marxist, socialistic type of government, and when they come after the church, which they always do throughout history, you're going to be the first to crumble. You're going to be the first one to cry, how'd this happen? You won't withstand the, the, you won't endure that persecution. You're bringing persecution on yourself that you can't even endure. So we need to, to, to think in our minds about what it looks like to truly be in the kingdom of God, to truly be under the authority of Christ. And here are the things that, that Peter now says, these things need to be, you ever get up every day? How many of you get up and take supplements every day? Well, boy, I tell you, my body doesn't produce uh, uh, the, the collagen like it used to. Boom, there's a supplement to help that happen. Hey, I got inflammation. Boom, you know, now you take this. So what he's saying is these are supplements that need to go with your faith. Now, the first thing he does, he takes faith, and he links it right out of the gate with virtue. So your faith must have integrity. It must have integrity. And let me tell you that my faith, when I first was redeemed, had zero integrity. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know anything. And you know what, God, everywhere I would look, I would see this word integrity. I talked about this Sunday night, too. Everywhere I would look, I would see integrity. You know why God kept showing me that word? Because I didn't have any. He said, he said, Rick, I know that I've redeemed you. Praise the Lord, you were finally sincere and you've submitted to me. Now, we're going to go on a journey to, so you'll get to the point you have some integrity in your faith. And he took me through things that I didn't want to go through, but those things have refined me that I now at least have some integrity. But I want to I hear well done. i got a long way to go, but I'm going. Some of you say, well, Rick, it'll never be perfection, but would you, would you, at, least, would you at least like to join us on progress? Progress is demanded. Perfection is in Jesus, but progress is demanded, and that's what Peter's talking about. Does your faith have any integrity? It, 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 does it have anything? Do people look at, at you, and somebody says, that's a man of faith right there, and people go, eh, you sure about that? I don't, I, that, that surprises me. Uh, it, it, that, that, have you ever had that happen to you before? Have you ever had anybody tell you that a guy was, was like in a church, or that he was a Christian, and you're like, Really? Played 18 with him. I, I didn't. I didn't come. I didn't come to that same conclusion. Uh, I, I, uh, that's surprising. So the one thing that that Peter says is that our faith must have integrity, and 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 I love the word that when you when you're talking about the integrity, you realize this means that that um, that that no, it's it's a genuine faith. Uh, it, it's a faith, and the virtue must stand beside your faith. It's moral excellence. I love this one definition. I saw virtue, genuine goodness. So I just don't I, don't. I don't just claim to be redeemed. I'm genuine. You do see Jesus in me. I don't just say it. You actually see it. So that's the first thing he says. If you're going to pass the test, and you're not going to be duped, and you're not going to be fooled by this attack within the church. 
you know, you're not going to somehow think that God changed his standard for marriage and you're going to go out and your kids are going to get involved in same-sex marriage. You're going to post it on Facebook and start telling the church, expect the church to go on there, which sadly you'll see and have a bunch of like buttons of everybody just says, I guess this is okay. When scripture says otherwise. See, that, that would be a faith that doesn't have integrity. It's, a, it's, it's not a genuine faith. Uh, and so that's the number one thing. So let's see what's next. And he does them in a list here. So we must have virtue. Faith and virtue must stand together. And then he says, and virtue with knowledge. Here we go. With knowledge. So we must be informed. We must continue to learn uh, the impossible to exhaust truths of the Word of God. All right, if anybody's got their Bible or some of their Bible on, I know you. I know you're on Second Peter. Let's go to the Book of Romans 11. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. We also did a study on Romans. If you'd like to go back to that, you can find it at BurgessMinistries.com under Listen, or right here on this YouTube channel. Just pull down the playlist of the past Bible studies. So we did a whole series on this incredible book uh, that Paul was inspired. Many have said uh, it's uh, one of the greatest books, if not the greatest book in the entire Bible. So we go to Romans 11, and then we go to verse 33. Listen to 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. I mean, we, when, when will we ever learn all of it? We won't. But, but that process needs to, to, to keep going. Because remember, see, knowledge is, is one of those things. We, we said it a thousand times, and it's kind of old and worn out, but it, it's a great one. Is I remember this movement. I think, was it the 80s? What would Jesus do? Was that the 80s? I don't know if it was the 80s or early 90s. I think it was the 80s. Well, it, it, isn't, it really should have been called, what would Jesus have me do? Because Jesus is perfection. We have access to that, but, but I don't know that we ever, in this progress, will ever become another Jesus because he was perfect. But what, would, what does Jesus call me to do? Well, would we agree when he says, if you, if you love me, you'll obey my commands? Do, do we agree how the, the great omission from the Great Commission uh, teach them to observe and obey all I have taught you? Would you agree that if your children come into your, your, your room, dad or mom who's watching this, and say, I was at school today, or God forbid you sent them to college, you better find out what's going on at college. And my professor said, or my teacher said, this, this, and this, and said that in the Bible, that's what, that's what God says in the Bible. And are you going to go, I, I have no idea, sorry. Well, that's, that's going to be bad, because now they're going to have to go and find it somewhere else. So... Peter says, you, you must have a, a, a faith of integrity. You must have a lot of knowledge, or then I can't recognize something that's wrong. It's impossible to do what Jesus would do if you don't know what he did. I mean, that, that's going to be an uphill climb. I mean, can you imagine me going out and claiming, instead of claiming I'm a disciple of Jesus, claiming I'm a mechanic? And then you say, what's wrong with my car? I say, I have no idea. I, I thought you said you were a mechanic. Well, I claim to be one, but uh, I don't know much about cars. Well, then I probably need to stop calling myself a mechanic because I don't know what I'm talking about. And guess what? I, I'm not any help to you. So what do you think I ought to do about my car here? I, or worse than that, what if I pretend to be a mechanic and I tell you the wrong thing? Then your engine blows up. Hey, thanks on the engine, by the way. I thought you were a mechanic. Well, not real knowledgeable. But I, I just I certified myself as a mechanic, but I never learned how to actually fix a car. 
Well, that wouldn't make any sense. And so Peter says, this is going to be problematic if you don't have the knowledge. And, and I will say this. You've heard me say it a thousand times. Some of the men right now are screaming at the screen or you're screaming at whatever you listen to this on. He's going to say it again, and I am going to say it again. I have found that men and women, people, we tend to be very knowledgeable on things we care about. Right? I still have good study habits. Man, I'm not seeing any deer at my place. Hey, let me tell you what you need to do. Here comes the expert. Hey, uh, my business, I mean, we're trying to get our P&L right and all this kind of stuff. I just don't know. Let me, let me have a look at that. Oh, well, here's your problem right here. I thought this guy didn't like to study. He sure does know a lot about his business. I hope you do. Uh, he knows a lot about hunting, fishing, golf, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's Star Wars. Where, where, where did we get all this information? His football team or whatever sports team he likes. So he's incredibly knowledge, knowledgeable on everything that he cares about. You know why I didn't know the Bible very well for most of my life? Because I didn't care about it. It's no more complicated than that. It was of no priority to me. But now you ask me about things that, that I cared about, man, I knew a lot. So I, I had the ability to be knowledgeable. But then you got to be careful for what he says next. And then with knowledge, you better supplement self-control. Yeah. What's the best example of that in the Bible? Solomon. I don't think you get more knowledgeable than Solomon. But you know what he lacked? Self-control. Women were a real problem for Solomon. He, he had some issues. Uh, and uh, they once said that if Solomon had picked one of his wives, just one, and says, I'm not going to be intimate with another with you again, wife number one, until I've run the gamut of all the women. They said it would be three years before he got back to the original woman. Three years. So Solomon had a lot of knowledge, but he did not have any self-control. And if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's his book of repentance. You know what he says? I knew a lot, but I lacked self-control because I tried everything. So you have to add virtue to your faith. It must be a faith of integrity. You have to add knowledge to your faith. You must know what you're talking about. You must know the, 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 the things that God has called us to do. And you must know Him. And then you must have self-control. You, you have to get to the point. So wh where do we get self-control from, Rick? Well, like, like we do everything else. Well, you know, the word disciple you know, comes from the word discipline. Uh, I, I am disciplined in my devotion to Christ. So where does my self-control come from? I'll tell you where it comes from. I'm, I become in such an intimate relationship with Jesus that when I, I would rather be right with him than to chase after a moment of pleasure or to, to fumble. I feel, I feel a devotion to him for what he did for me on the cross and, and my obedience flows from my adoration of him in everything. You know, when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm not being the best husband I, I need to be, I would love to tell you that the reason why I correct that and I don't, I, don't, I don't stray from my wife, I would love to tell you is because of my devotion to her. Because a lot of you like that. That makes good romantic movies and all that. But it's not. It's because of my devotion to Christ. And I bet my wife would say the same thing about her devotion to me comes from Christ. You know why? Because there's a lot of days that I, my, I'm not worthy for my wife to be devoted to me. I, I don't think that, that I can just be so lovable and so wonderful that my wife says, you know what, this guy, 
that's just not who I am. I make mistakes. Uh, sometimes I'm not desirable. I, I, I may be not worthy of her respect. I may not be worthy of her devotion. I may not be worthy of her loyalty. But see, she's not going, she's not going to disobey Jesus. And I'm not going to disobey Jesus. And when I do, I don't justify it. So that self-control has to come. See, if you, the reason why, don't, don't think this order is something Peter just came up with. Integrity, knowledge, then you may have a shot at self-control. Because, of the, because you, you know so much about God now. You know, to know God is to fear Him. To know God is to love Him. To know God is to serve Him. So if you don't feel any obligation at all, not, 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 not obligation like I have to do something to earn salvation, but obligation to the God that gave you salvation, then you don't understand what happened. You don't know how wretched you really are. You don't know how bad things really were for you. Because I know what I deserve, and I know because of Jesus what I've been forgiven. So he says then next, if you, you've got virtue, you've got knowledge, You've got self-control, and then he says, and with self-control, you need to add steadfastness. So what with the steadfastness? Now, there's other words in different English translations you'll see. So, some translate that as patience. Uh, some translate that as endurance. And, and that's really what it is. Steadfastness means I'm solid. Notice, notice we're walking virtue, knowledge, self-control. So you don't take steadfastness try to put it up at the top because it won't work. You better work this in the order that Peter, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, is laying it out. Steadfast. Are you solid? Can, can, God, can God depend on you? Can, can he look down like he did with Job and say, you come against him, he won't turn on me? You know, I think about that a lot. You know, because uh, God does not tempt us, but he does test us. And you know he's testing for it, don't you? And James talks about this. These difficulties produce steadfastness. Hey, I wonder if I can trust so-and-so. Well, let's find out. I mean, did, did we not do that? I mean, anything you've ever been in your life, there comes a point where somebody has to say, I mean, think about people like, would you just let, it's your business, would you let just anybody have control of the money? You better not. Who are you going to have control of the money? Somebody that's steadfast. Somebody that's solid. I've got, a, I got a, a man in my life that I love what he says. Every time I see him, I'll ask him, i say, how you doing? And you know what he says? Steady. I'm steady. I, my highs aren't too high. My lows aren't too lows. I'm not, I'm not over here where God can't trust me one day. The next day I do pretty good. I, I don't sway. I love that about John the Baptist. When Jesus said, what y'all think y'all going to find out there? Just some, some weed whipping in the wind? No, you found a man that was steadfast, didn't you? And he's calling you to repentance, and you don't like it. And he's devoted to me, and he's going to do exactly what he was told to do. Is that you? Are you about the Lord's business? And, and does the Lord say, just like um, I think about this so much, and, and I want to continue to, um, uh, to try to pass the test, any test that God puts before me to prove my steadfastness, but also produce steadfastness. So, can, can God trust you with a test? I mean, some of you may be watching this or listening to this. You go, you know, I've really never faced a lot of difficulty in my life. 
it may be that God can't trust you with it. And, uh, and, and you know, that, that's something to consider uh, because there, there's, a, there's a lot of things you see in Scripture. Uh, you see 2 Timothy 3.12, you see Paul writing to Timothy and he says, hey, tell everybody that chooses to live a godly life that they will be persecuted. You see Jesus in, in John 15, we were talking about the true vine and, and, and he didn't even get too deep into John 15 talking about the true vine. And I'm really thinking, you know, and Jesus did this a lot. Jesus didn't do pep talks the way I would do them. Because Jesus really starts out with, here's, here's, some, here's some things that are going to be problematic. You, you know, I would say that to the end. I would fire everybody up and they go, now let me let you know this. Not, not Jesus. Jesus always tells you right out of the gate what to expect. Deny yourself. Come with me. Pick up your cross daily. Uh, hey, you know what? Don't, uh, your family may turn against you. Just know if you're going to follow me, everybody's going to hate you. But remember, they hated me. They hate your devotion to me. Listen to what he says about the, the true vine we talked about. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And you're like, yeah, that's right. Listen to this. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Ugh. So it might bear more fruit. So wait a minute, Rick. You mean to tell me that my steadfastness is me agreeing and standing firm, and even if I am producing fruit for the kingdom, he may prune me and refine me so that I'll produce even more fruit? Yes. And it'll produce steadfastness or you'll fail. And you know when you fail what that means? You didn't have any virtue. Your faith didn't have any integrity. And it probably means you didn't have any knowledge because you didn't know what was going on, which is why you didn't pass it. And you didn't have enough self-control to stand firm. So steadfastness, endurance. You know, keep in mind, you hear the Scriptures talking a lot about those who endure will inherit the kingdom of heaven. So do you, do you have that? So our, our faith needs to have this. We supplement it with integrity. We supplement it with knowledge. We supplement it with self-control. And we supplement it with steadfastness, our patience, and endurance, and, and, uh, and, and perseverance. So then next, here come, they, look how long it took to get to this one, and, that, and, I, and there's a reason for that. And with steadfastness, godliness. Ooh, well, that's way on down the list. Because i got to tell you something, there's a process to being a godly man or woman. What does he mean by godliness here? If you look at the original Greek word he's using here, it means to be devout. To, to, to look to Jesus, be pleasing to God. Godliness is to be pleasing to God. I like that one. Makes a lot of sense. I can look at that one. So let me ask you this. If God looks at your life, does he see that you are living a life that is pleasing to him? Because that's godliness. It, it's, it's to say that I'm, I'm devout to God. I'm, I'm devoted to him. You know, you remember when we, when we talked about this uh, message that we did uh, Sunday night, and we were unpacking the term discipleship and disciple, devotion, connected to, in Christ. And, and I really was taken back, and I'd forgotten. We did the study, uh, which you can't find it on video, but you can on audio only at BurgessMinistries.com. We did Dallas Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. And hey, baby... It was a wild ride. That's, that is, a, that is a, a challenging book. 
And one of the things that Dallas Willard talked about, which I had forgotten about until I went back and got ready for this message Sunday night, he said in the New Testament, the word disciple is used 269 times. The word Christian is only used three. And only one time is it used in a positive light. And that's the message we did in Peter. Peter says, hey, I know Christian is derogatory and everybody's using that to make fun of you. Don't let that be a derogatory statement. Be, be proud they call you a Christian. So, but disciple was a given, which means everybody in the New Testament that was called mockingly a Christian was already a disciple. But see, the Western church has gone a different way. Instead of us going out and producing disciples, we go and grab converts. We just want, we just want a conversion. And once you've converted, we go, got that one, and we move on. There's a lot of churches that don't even require you to be vetted out to be a disciple of Christ to become a member of the church body. They don't even, they don't, you, they don't even, they don't even care if you have testimony. You just tell them you want to be a part of the church, they let you. That wasn't the way it was in the New Testament. So that's why you see Peter, he's talking to disciples of Jesus. So this is not surprising instructions to them. Now, the cultural Christian has no idea what we're talking about right now. And, and then, and then the, the, the convert who may be redeemed and is a baby Christian is still sitting there going, I have no idea what you're talking about. But there was a time when, when the process for you, when you said, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I want to be redeemed, then the process started the Great Commission. Teach them to obey all that I have told you. You were supposed to be like just immersed into spiritual maturity as quick as we could get you there. Now, if you want to stay in a church in America and just wallow around as a spiritual infant for the rest of your life, they'll let you. They'll let you. I mean, it's amazing how little of the church is devoted to discipling people. And, you know, that's what we do with the men's ministry because the problem with men, uh, we treat the symptoms of what's wrong with men. The, the root of the problem is they're either lost or they're a spiritual infant. And here's Peter saying, we got to come out of spiritual infancy because you're not going to survive what's coming against you next, and that's going to be an attack from within the church. You're, you're going to start seeing false teachings, false theology. Satan is coming inside the church now, and you've got to be ready, so you need to supplement these things to your faith. So next, after godliness, he says, brotherly affection. Yeah, brotherly affection. If you don't do all these things, I don't love you. If I don't know you, just because you're a member of the church. But I tell you what, if I'm putting on virtue and I'm putting on knowledge and I'm putting on self-control and I'm putting on steadfastness and I'm putting on godliness, guess what then comes out of me next? Brotherly love. Oh, I love the brothers and sisters of the faith. A genuine spirit of brotherly love among believers. We're kind to one another. And one thing I love too, you know what Jesus always showed us? That he was approachable. Are you approachable? Do you have time for people? To talk to them, to cry with them, to grieve with them? He was always approachable. To be charitable, to be giving, to help when your brothers and sisters need help. It's really an overall love for everyone, forgiving and not harboring bitterness. Uh... It's, it's that 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love where, where it's not these things and it is these things. 
And and then he says this brotherly love, which leads to just love overall. So the brotherly love is the love that we have among the church. Remember what Jesus said, one of the signs of his disciples? You have a unique love for each other, and people will know you're my disciples. But then he says, and then brotherly love, the next thing you put on is just love in general. And that is a love, not an approval, not an approval, but a love for everyone. A, a, a different kind of love, a genuine love among the believers, that's a different level, but an overall love produced just because that God himself said that he so loved the world, not the sin of the world, but the people of the world, that he was willing to give himself up for them, and we should follow that example. Look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. So this leads to fruitfulness. All of these things that Peter tells us to add, if we take those in the... In the you know what everything he just sold, uh, told us to do? They're all manifested in Jesus. Don't miss that. So if we follow this supplemental plan of virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly love, and love, then we will be fruitful. That's what, what he said. It keeps you from being ineffective. And, and it establishes, establishes fruitfulness. I, I'm, whoever, look, look at this. It keeps you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It goes back to what I had to say in my own life. It's impossible for me to be right with Christ and live in a way that is contrary to him. It's not possible, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. And this is what Peter is saying. And then look at, he says at nine, stop being delusional. Look at verse nine. He says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. If you don't do these supplemental things, you know what you do? You forget, you forget who Jesus is and what he did for you. And you're delusional, and, and, and it says that, 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 that you're blind, you lose sight of your condition. We forget that we were purged from our sin. Don't ever forget what you were purged from. You know why I'm so thankful for Jesus? And boy, this was one of the things that, that hit me in, in, uh, in our last study. As it, as it, when the adversary begins to talk to God about me, it's not him lying about me that throws me. It's him telling the truth about me. See, I ain't never forgot how wretched I was. I don't waller in it because I'm not that man anymore. But I don't want to forget what Jesus did. And when we start getting delusional as if the way Jesus made us is the way we've always been, and there's no need for me to be supplementing these things because I'm just fine, then you're going to become delusional at your condition, and you're going to forget that you were purged from sin, and then before you know it, and I've seen it happen, you start taking grace and abusing it. I, I love when these, some of these, these, these new f people that, that are grace abusers, well, I'm free in Christ. Uh, yeah, you've been freed from sin. You haven't been freed to sin. Romans 6, read it, read it from time to time. You have not been freed to sin. You haven't been freed to walk these lines with alcohol that you like to walk. You, you haven't been free to do these things. Did you hear what we just talked about? What, what, what did you not? Have you never read Second Peter about the things that we're supplementing to our faith? And then look at verse ten. Therefore, brothers, 
be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure, for if you practice these qualities, you'll never fail. Man, if, I, if you can't put that on your product. Wait a minute, Peter, are you telling me that if I follow this and I'm diligent about being sure my faith has integrity, if I'm diligent about I can never have enough knowledge about Christ and His Word and, and His commandments and what He's called me to, if, if I will be all the more diligent about my self-control, diligent about my steadfastness, diligent about my godliness, diligent about brotherly love, diligent about an overall love that flows from, flows from Christ who, 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 who desires that none should perish, that I will never fail. Apparently. So if you, if you fail, you haven't been diligent. This is this is the this is a word that means to be to have zeal, to to, to have to, to be hasty about it. Make an effort. Assess yourself. Do you pass the test of being part of the elect? Now you're thinking, Rick, what, are, y'all, are you talking about salvation? Am I going to mess this up? I mean, take, take your Bible if you got a minute. Go to Matthew 13. This is what he's talking about. Matthew 13. Guess who else talked about it? Jesus. Matthew 13. That's why Peter knows this. The sower. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, underline. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear what I'm saying." That's what he's talking about. I mean, sometimes these seeds fall in places, and, and if that, that seed isn't diligent about taking roots in the ground, it doesn't survive. Or it's revealed that it never had what it was supposed to have to truly say, I am part of the elect. What about you? Where, if I talk about the sower there, where are you? Are you... Are you rocky soil, never took root? Are you somebody that kind of got some roots in, but I didn't really get down in there? I don't really have strong roots. The sun comes up, I'm done. Do you let too much sin in your life, and here's the thorns growing up all around you, and eventually that sin that you have not taken seriously, that you don't have any zeal about, that you're not concerned about, it ain't no big deal, before you know it, it chokes you? Or do you produce fruit? Verse 11. For in this way there will, be, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hmm. I love this when he talks about this whole deal about um, you know, elect and the sovereignty of God. And, and I know that always gets us off in conversations that um, many times are not fruitful in themselves. But... Um, you know, some events are divinely caused, and I love this, and other events are divinely permitted. He permits us to act as part of his eternal plan while at the same time leaves room enough for one to be responsible for his own behavior. 
Yes, he is sovereign. And there are, there are events that are divinely caused, and there's other things that are divinely permitted and taking responsibility for our actions, if you look at parts of Scripture, seem to indicate that this sovereign God does allow us to make choices inside of His sovereignty. Matthew 23, 37 is one such place. There, there are others. If you have your Bible, then you go to, to Matthew 23, 37. This is Jesus crying over Jerusalem. Jesus, who is all-knowing, says to Jerusalem that has uh, uh, rejected him, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often I have gathered, I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Hmm. So the all-knowing God and these events of Jesus having redeemed the world has, have been known since the foundation of the world. Jesus is here to redeem. He comes to his people first. They reject him. And then he says, I really had preferred that not be the case. I would have taken you as a hen takes her brood, and I would have protected you under my wings, but you were not willing. Divine event, but then something divinely permitted, and that was their choice to receive him or reject him. Permitted. Luke 22. Look at Luke 22. Luke 22, 22. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. Wait a minute. So... Jesus is going to go to the cross that was divinely caused, but yet he seems to be holding people accountable that betray him to get him there. Divinely, uh, divinely caused, but also divinely permitted. So this is a dance I know that's difficult for many and that's not where we want to land today. But this is one of those things that um, you just have to accept and follow what Peter is saying to do because how do you make sure? How, 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 do, how, how do I make sure about this, that I am one of the elect? Well, just, just look at the lost and look at this list that Peter has just laid out and then assess... Where do we stand? If we continue adding to our faith things that accompany salvation, write down for time, I don't have time to go to it, but write down Hebrews 6, 9, then there will be no occasion to stumble. There's a hint here that not everyone that is coming into the, the, the final kingdom of God, I mean, even, even those who, who, who are going to make it, there, there seems to be here a very clear indication in other places as well that not all will have this abundant entrance into that kingdom. There will be degree, degrees of glory and different capacities and rewards and treasures even in heaven. You can look to 1 Corinthians 15, 
39 through 44. Let's, let's turn there real quick. 1 Corinthians 39, and then let's go to, I mean, 1 Corinthians 15, and then let's go to verse 39, and, and let's read through 44. Verses 39 through 44. And here's what he says. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for the stars differ from the star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body and raised a spiritual body. And then it goes on to say that this is not the case for animals. But he lists that, that there are degrees that we will see of people in heaven. And, and, and I love that the, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 6, let us go on. Let us not be content with where we are. Let, 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 let's, let's go on in our faith. Let's, let's, let's be devoted to these things that Peter says that we should supplement to our faith. And then we will never fail. It's a big statement. So when you look at your life, how are you doing on these things? I mean, if we, if we look at the list, do you, do you see your, your faith of having integrity? Do, do, you, do you see your faith being one of knowledgeable? You, you know your faith. You understand it. Do, do you see self-control in your life? Do you see steadfastness? Do you see godliness? Do you see brotherly affection? Do you see love? Do you see fruitfulness? Well, as we've started this study of Second Peter, Peter seems to think this is really important because he starts this right out of the gate. And we know what he's concerned about. And we see this happening in our country now and in the Western church, don't we? We, we, we see a falling away. I know John warns us, he said, when you see those fall away, they were never with us. Or Peter might say, well, they fell away because they never supplemented these things to their faith, so their faith lacked integrity. What about yours? What about mine? It's a great time for us to assess these things. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this uh, convicting message to get us started in this new series in, in Second Peter. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that all of us today will assess ourselves and see where we are. I pray, Lord, that, that maybe we get excited today and we go to Second Peter ourselves and we take these supplements and we underline them and we spend some time assessing where we are on this list that Peter says that if we will diligently follow, we won't be ineffective for the kingdom. We won't be unfruitful, and we will never fail you. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone out there today that, that something has pricked their heart today, they'll make a move to, to adjust to where adjustment needs to be made. And Lord, I pray that you continue to draw them to you. And if they think today that they don't see themselves in the way they should, they don't see your power in their life, that today they'll just right now, for the first time or the first time they meant it, they say, Lord Jesus, I submit completely to you.
I repent wholly of my sins. I repent of my lack of these things in my life. And I want to really know you in a personal way. I want access to that power. I don't see it in my life. Lord, I know you love me. I see what you did for me on the cross, but will you teach me to love you? The Bible says if you're sincere about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that you want Jesus to be your authority and you repent of your sins and you're sincere about that, that maybe your seed just was made alive. But now there's a process of sanctification that requires your action. Lord, I pray that you will be glorified in all of our lives. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thanks for being with us. If there's anything today that prompted a question from you or you need someone to talk to and you don't have anybody to talk to, uh, you can reach me, Rick, at rickandbubba.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today and I look forward to talking to you next week.